Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another Bible study session. You are awesome. You are welcome, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for, for coming into our presence, for being here tonight. We welcome you. And I say that do only what do only what you can do in our midst tonight. Thank you for another time to worship you and learn from your word as a community. Lord, we ask that you open the eyes of our hearts today to hear what you are saying to us at this moment. Open the eyes of our faith to see that which is eternal so that we may move with a conviction that does not hold on to unbelief, even in the face of impossibilities, but that our faith becomes empowered by the word of God and that our faith grows in confidence that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength and that our faith is strengthened by the finished work of the cross and in knowing that he who has started this work in us is faithful to complete it until the day he returns holy spirit i ask that you give me the tongues of the ready writer and that you speak through me today not my words but yours i declare that i become lesser and lesser and you become greater and greater in me oh god lord we thank you we adore you we welcome you i know that you are here and i thank you for what you're about to do tonight glory be to your name in jesus name amen 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 and before we go into the reading of the word and the message itself i want to do a quick recap from our last session which happened well our last john 3 study which was two weeks ago so last week we talked about obedience so we did something different um and so to so today i'm going to recap on john chapter 3 verses 1 to 21 as it's just a pre prelude to what we're what we're going to discuss today john 3 verse 2 from verse 22 so here's a quick recap number one um to be able to see the kingdom of god you need to be born of water and of the spirit so you need to be born again and number two once you believe in jesus you have eternal life. So this is the gospel of salvation. And then you become this new creation that can now access a spiritual maturation journey through a rebirth process. So which is being born of the spirit and of water, which is being born again. And this requirement is to be able to enter the kingdom of God. And this is the gospel of the kingdom. So there's the gospel of salvation and there's the gospel of the kingdom. As we said, most people are stuck, most believers, so, no, so this is number three, most believers have only experienced the gospel of salvation, but are not actively living and walking in the gospel of the kingdom. And as a result, um, they, can't, they are not living in heaven on earth. So only by living out the gospel of the kingdom can you truly live heaven, experience heaven on earth. And then finally, the pursuit of truth is what ushers light into our lives and it is through this light that we can be restored to the original version of ourselves that God intended from the foundations of the earth. And so today's, so today we're going to be reading from John chapter 3 from verses 22 to 36. So I'm going to read and then we jump into the word. So John 3, 22 to 36, I'm going to read it from the Christian Standard Bible. 
So verse 22 says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went to, Jude, to the Judean countryside where he spent time and then spent time with them and baptized. John also baptizing in Enon near Salim because there was plenty of water there. People were coming and, and being baptized since John had not yet been thrown into prison. Verse 25. Then a dispute arose um, between John's disciples and a, and a Jew about purification. So they came to John and told him, Rabbi, the one you testified about and who was with you across the Jordan is baptizing and everyone is going to him. John responded, no one can receive anything unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I have been sent ahead of him. He who has the bride is the groom, but the groom's friend who stands by and listens for him rejoices greatly at the groom's voice. So this joy of mine is complete. He must increase, but I must decrease. Verse 31, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from earth is earthly and speaks in earthly terms. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, and yet no one accepts his testimony. The one who has accepted his testimony has affirmed that God is true. For the one whom God sent speaks God's words, <laughs> since he gives the spirit without measure. Verse 35, the father loves the son and has given all things into his hands. The one who believes in the son has in the son has eternal life, but the one who rejects the son will not see life. Instead, the wrath of God remains on him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. All right. Jumping straight into it. So in verse 22, it says, after these things, so basically, after Jesus's time teaching and in the story of Nicodemus, which we read in our last teaching on John 3, um, if we recall, Jesus went to Jerusalem for Passover. And so now the Passover ceremony and the festivity um, is over. And so Jesus and his disciples, they're leaving for their next assignment. And so they they they're going so they came and they went to the land of Judea and he stayed there with his disciples and Jesus was also baptizing people out there. When I read when I read this verse, I couldn't help but think that the text here wasn't referring to water baptism as such, but the baptism of the Spirit, um, and that Jesus was baptizing the disciples and the people that came that were in that area that came to him into himself. What that means is that he was teaching them and he was literally speaking spirit over them. So he baptized those around him. I mean, this is just my thought is no theology or anything, but I say this because in verse 23, it says John was also baptizing people in Enon near Salim because there was much water there. It didn't, it didn't say specifically where Jesus was located in the land of Judea, but he mentioned John's location in relation to baptism. And if we know anything about the Bible, when things are emphasized, it's just, it's just something to like, you know, watch out for. And then it said 
John was out there baptizing because there was much water there. And for me, this made sense. It made sense that John would be at his, this location because his assignment was to baptize people in water. That was part of, apart from the fact that he was a forerunner of Christ, it was also his, his part of his job, his duties was to baptize people. So it would make sense that he stayed in the place of his provision where water was available for him to carry out his assignment. And it's also said that they came and they were baptized. What I'm trying to say is that we can learn here that there is always provision for your assignment, but you must be located where the provision for the assignment is. We can also learn that those who need what you are providing will come to you and get what you're offering. It says that they came to John, not John to them. This simply means that when God gives you an idea or a vision or an assignment, there's provision for it. And your job is to find the location of the provision. And then when you find it, people who need it will find you. You don't have to be chasing customers or clients or the next gig or the big promote or the next promotion. Stay in the place of provision. Stay in that place that has been provided for your assignment and they will come to you. In verse 25, it, it says there was a dispute among some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Another thing to note is that as leaders, um, we must be aware that there can be disputes between our followers. So your team or your people and people that you lead or people that follow you and people outside of your tribe who have a different mindset. So John's disciples and the Jews had two different like mindsets and two different experiences, to be honest. So the Jews, um, the Jews had their own method of purification while John's disciples were, were looking at purification through baptism. Um, so there's always a topic up for discussion. <laughs> we can see that disputes amongst different groups that we experience even in our world today didn't start now it has always been, even from the days of Jesus Christ. Um, they were basically arguing about the purification process, which made sense because the Jews were used to going to the temple to perform these sacrificial ceremonies for purification. But now John the Baptist is coming with a new kind of purification process. <laughs> and of course, Jesus is out there doing his own thing too. And they were all confused. I mean, like, so many things confuse us <laughs> nowadays, right? Which, which to be honest, is valid. It's, it's, it's a valid dispute because, so we must be aware that anything new that challenges the status quo or an old way of doing something or thinking would always lead to a dispute or an argument. We must keep this in mind because there are so many groups of people out there who would always be in dispute over certain issues. And we must be conscious of the fact that it is not the people themselves with the issue, but that the new mindset, the new way of doing something is challenging their paradigm and their status quo. And this can be very tough, especially for people who have been stuck in one way of thinking, just like the Jews. So the Jews had their way of thinking and John was changing their paradigm. Jesus is even making it worse <laughs> by, Baptizing people as John was baptizing, that is not that doesn't happen because in the in the in the days of old, there were certain people 
priests who would do that. There were designated prophets and people and priests who would do such ceremonies. So Jesus doing that when John was the known known person for that was just completely out of their their way of thinking. So it made sense why they will have a dispute. So when we say that, it's not like they were just having a dispute, but it made sense, right? And then when we move on to verse 26, it says, John's disciples came to him saying, teacher, the man, and they were referring to Jesus, they said, the man who baptized, who you baptize is baptizing other people and everyone is going to him. To be honest, I don't even think they even knew who Jesus was because they just said the man. <laughs> um, I think they just remembered that there was this huge scene um, with John the Baptist baptizing Jesus and, you know, heaven opening. I think they just probably remember that. And probably in their mind, they were wondering how can the man that John baptized be baptizing other people so soon? Like, who is this guy? What authority does he have to be able to perform such sacrilegious acts <laughs> and in verse 27 john responded to them his and john said and john's response here kind of struck a chord in me it shows it shows the hard posture of a leader who understands authority especially spiritual authority john said and i'm going to read this in amplified version because it makes a bit more sense and is able to, and we're able to like understand he said a man can receive nothing that is, a man can claim nothing at all unless it has been granted to him from heaven, for there is no other source than the sovereign will of God. You yourselves are my witnesses that I stated, I am not the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed, but I have only been sent ahead of him as his appointed forerunner and messenger to announce and proclaim his coming. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands by and listens to him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. So this pleasure and joy of mine is complete. Basically, John understood that God had to authorize Jesus to baptize people or else Jesus couldn't have been able to do that. The fundamental truth is this. You can't do anything for God without getting the authority to do it from God. God calls people and he equips them. Basically, what John was saying was that Jesus can't baptize unless God in heaven granted him the ability to do so. Everyone who is subject to God's authority over their life does nothing outside the sovereign will of God. And so at that moment, Jesus was rightfully doing God's will as he was baptizing the people. And so John restated his role as the forerunner of the Messiah and not the Messiah himself. This is key to note because we must always know that we are not the savior. I am not the savior. You are not the savior. Jesus Christ is. And as such, we must give him that place, that place and authority over our lives as the savior of our lives and even in the lives of other people that we're called to talk to and save them, so to speak. And in John using the analogy of the bride and bridegroom, John is saying that if the bridegroom is speaking to his bride and a friend of the bridegroom, <laughs> maybe the groomsman, is not gonna be talking at this, to the bride at the same time the bridegroom is talking because the bride belongs to the bridegroom. 
And we all know that the bride and the bridegroom analogy is Jesus and his church, because basically God gave Jesus the church as his gift and eternal inheritance. And so what Joy was saying was that this is such an honor and a pleasure to support Jesus in this manner where I am the friend of the bridegroom just standing on the side while Jesus is handling his bride, is baptizing people. Go for it, Jesus. John understood that his role in that moment was to rejoice with the fulfillment of Jesus stepping into his own authority because Jesus is the King, the Son of God, and this should be our disposition to always let Jesus lead. Let Jesus do the leading. What this means to us is that we must recognize the authority of Jesus over our lives rather than our own authority over our own lives. It is very easy for us to focus on ourselves as the authority over our lives and to continue to live in oblivion. And even sometimes we are working on things that God has called us to do without recognizing that God is the provider and the source of that opportunity or that idea or that job or that career or that relationship. We must always remember that we are just stewards of the ideas, the businesses, our careers, our family, our relationships, and that God is superior, is the superior authority over our lives, period. Like, no argument. <laughs> and so in verse 29 to verse 32, John starts speaking. He says, he must increase, so Christ must increase, but I, John, must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard that he testifies and no one receives his testimony. Again, John is emphasizing the heart posture and mindset we must have as individuals. John recognizes that even though he had he had his own assigned work to baptize people, that Jesus Christ was still the higher authority. So John said, I must decrease. He was saying that his own authority over his own life must decrease so that Jesus's authority can increase in his life, which is why he made that statement. It was, he was almost like he was talking to himself and silencing his thoughts of, his thought of, so basically, you know how sometimes your mind plays games with you? In that moment, John was having a battlefield of the mind moment where when his disciples were asking him, the man you are baptizing is doing, is baptizing other people, pride was coming in. Yes, that's it. Pride was setting in. And John had to speak to his mind in that moment that, no, you must recognize that there's a higher authority. So I was telling him that I must decrease so that Christ must increase. So he was speaking to the spirit of pride that was trying to come up to, to you know, the spirit of pride is a, is a spirit of man and self where we just want to feel like I did it. I did it. Yeah, I did it myself. I did it. And, you know, it's just the world that we live in. We just want to do everything ourselves without recognizing that Christ is the one that enables us. God is the one that enables us to all these things. So in that moment, John was speaking to his to the spirit of self in him and telling it to shut up <laughs> basically which is what we need to do pretty much every day to tell self to keep quiet and so because john recognizes and he knows that jesus who came from heaven is above everyone 
And that also because, not just that, but because Jesus only speaks and does what God does. So Jesus was very, like, he only did what God did. <laughs> I said, he kept saying, Jesus always said, I do as my father does. So Jesus never acted outside of the will of God, the father. And so in that sense, Jesus literally had the mind of God, just like we have the mind of Christ. So Jesus has the mind of God and we have the mind of Christ. And if we have the mind of Christ, we must do as Christ does because Jesus who has the mind of God did as God did on, when it was on earth, it was doing whatever he saw God the Father do. And so if we have the mind of Christ, we must do what we see Christ do, which is where the Holy Spirit comes in because he enables us to, see, to do what Christ will do, which is the will of the Father. And then John went on to say, he who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. This means that anyone who does not speak as God speaks or act as God would act, is just acting as a mere human and, and basically is of a lower authority than one who speaks what God in heaven speaks or does what God in heaven will do. So if you are acting in, in self and in man without, without God leading you, you are just mere human in your, you are just of earth. You are not of, you're not of a higher dimension and authority. And so how does this apply to us? Because it just sounds like a lot of spiritual jargon, but our, this, is, this is how it applies to us. Our goal as disciples of Christ is to allow Christ to become greater in us so that the spirit of self in us can become lesser. This is how we can become more divine in nature. This is how we can become extraordinary disciples. Remember, extraordinary in my context is being um, half human, half divine. So when your supernatural self supersedes your natural, your natural self, where you're literally walking on earth, but physically, but you're just like, yes, the spirit being <laughs> just living out this, what the spirit is telling you to, to do on earth. And so this is how we can become more divine in nature. And we do this by recognizing and giving Jesus his rightful authority over our lives. This is the only way we can become more Christ-like and truly function, as I said, as extraordinary people on earth and as extraordinary people in our places of work, in our businesses and in our spheres of influence. I love this quote from Marshawn's, um, Marshawn um, Evans, um, 100 Days of Believe, Believe Bigger devotional. She said, the Holy Spirit is uncontainable. Your authority doesn't come from man, paved paths and predictable plans. It comes from ki the King of Kings. Basically, our authority comes from above. And as I said, period, no arguments. <laughs> And then verse 33 says, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. Basically, if you accept Jesus as the authority over your life, then you have certified that God is true because Jesus is the one that enables us to connect to God the Father. John chapter 14 verse 6 says, no one comes to the Father except through me. And that was Jesus speaking in that moment. And then if we go on to verse 34 to 36, it says, 
For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God. For God does not give the spirit by measure. The father loves the son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe in the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. What this is saying is that Jesus was sent by God to speak the words of God, right? And we know that Jesus is the word anyway. So John was telling his disciples that when Jesus speaks, it is God speaking. I mean, and we know this. And then, and that God does this because he, had, he has given us and, and it was Spain was had given Jesus unlimited access to the Holy Spirit. So God equips Jesus with his spirit to live on earth. Remember, Jesus was fully God and fully man which is our goal to anyways. So God gave the gift of the spirit, who is the Holy Spirit generously to Christ. And now we know that when Jesus was living, he also said, my father will send you the Holy Spirit. So the way Jesus was able to fully be God on earth was because of this spirit of God that was poured without measure, that was poured generously on him by God which we have access to today in the person of the Holy Spirit, that is God giving us his spirit without measure. Just pour, he said, I will pour out my spirit on all men in these days. So we're such, we're in just a beautiful time on earth, just a great time in history where God is saying, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit generously without measure on all men. Whether you're a Christian, whether you're not, everybody's going to have access to the spirit of God. This is what this Bible passage is saying. And God giving us his spirit without measure also means that when God sends you, he equips you fully. So you have the, you have the fullness of what you need to do his work because he gives you his spirit without measure and it's the Holy Spirit that would help you navigate life, navigate your assignment, navigate your career, navigate your marriage, navigate your relationship, navigate everything about your life, everything you need, God has given you by giving you the Holy Spirit without measure. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and because Jesus is our role model, this passage is also saying we have that. We have that, we have access to that. The person that God sends has the ability to speak God's word because God gives the person the Holy Spirit, right? And what this means to us is that when God calls you or sends you to do an assignment to that job, to that career, to that business, in that relationship, whatever it might be, you have the ability and the power to speak the word of God into that space. You have the ability to bring heaven to earth in that situation. You have the ability to make kingdom come in that industry or in that sector because God has empowered you with the gift of the Holy Spirit generously. The Holy Spirit is our helper and he can help us to do everything. The Bible says, with God, all things are possible. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'd like to just plug in here, Transformation Church, whose pastor is Mike Todd, has just started a new series called the Upgrade Series about the Holy Spirit, about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I highly recommend it. I think it's a, the first um, session was fantastic. 
and just mind blowing. And I think it will be great for everyone on here to tap into. It's going to run for like seven weeks or 10 weeks or thereabout, but it's just such a great way to get to know the Holy Spirit. And then finally, um, verse 35 and 36 says, because God loves Jesus so much, he has given all things to him, including you and I, which is the church. So everything belongs to Jesus. That's like, again, period. <laughs> everything belongs to Jesus. So in this scenario, Jesus actually had the right. So you remember the dispute started, started from when they were asking, like, does he have the right to do that? Which was basically what they were asking John. So in this case, Jesus had the right to baptize people because technically, it and we all belong to him. Uh, and so the verse goes on to say, he who believes in the son has everlasting life and he who does not believe in the son shall not see life. Basically what this is saying is, and we all know, I mean, if you've been a Christian and been walking, you know that if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. And if you don't believe in Jesus, then there's no eternal life for that person. It also means that if you dare, if you dare to believe in Jesus, you will be able to testify that God is true and real. That's what that verse says. It said, you will be able to testify and certify that God is true. Not just as a religious activity or a religion that you worship, but as a person you can relate with an encounter that is experiential, encounters that are experiential. It is in, it is, you would have an intimate relationship with God that is not bound by religion or the curse of the law, but one that is spirit-led by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us graciously by God and that is full of adventure and new experiences. You will experience that God, your father, is true and real. That is the promise we have as Christians. And so this is not a teaching on salvation, but this text emphasizes, and because I'm teaching, I would, um, I will, I will speak to it, that it makes it clear that anyone that does not believe in the son that is in Jesus Christ wants the eternal life. It means that they won't have access to new life after death that Christ came to earth to die for. So finally, I'll end on this note, just like Christ resurrected and is still alive, even after he died, those who believe in Jesus will also resurrect and have new life, which is eternal life after we die. And the great thing is that that life, eternal life, you can start living it now on earth as you begin to connect with the person of the Holy Spirit. You begin to live heaven on earth. And then when you die, you would continue living that life in eternity. So I'd like to end on that note. To summarize, I always like to do um, a summary. To summarize our teaching for today, here are the key points to note that would enable you to live an extraordinary life. Number one, there is always provision. Remember, there's always provision for your assignment. You must locate where the provision for that assignment is. And then remember, people will come to you to get the provision and it's not you chasing them. Number two, you can't do anything for God under his authority without getting the authority from God to do it basically makes sense. Number three, when God sends you, he equips you with the fullness of everything that you need to do his work. Everything you need has been provided by God because he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit, who is our helper without measure, generously, abundantly, above all that we can imagine. Number four, we must learn to submit to the authority of Jesus over our lives so that 
so that he can continue to increase in us and so that we can become more like him. This practically means submitting ourselves and our ways to God through his word and asking the Holy Spirit to guide and to lead us. Finally, if you dare to believe, I dare you to believe in Jesus, that you will also be able to testify that God is true and real, not just as a religious activity or a religion that you worship, but as a person you can relate with and have encounters that are experiential and real. And then you would experience that God is true and he is real. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for a wonderful time in your presence. Thank you for teaching us your word tonight. It was fire. <laughs> I felt it. I prepared for it, but I felt it even more as I was teaching. Lord Jesus, we ask that you baptize us into you tonight. Teach us and show us your ways through the help of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 3, verse 27, it says, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Lord, today we ask that you empower us with your words from heaven so that when we speak, we speak the words of God and not the words of man, not our own mind or our own self, but the spirit and the mind of Christ. Lord, today I declare that our joy will be full because we give you authority over our lives as the captain of our ship. I declare that from today we will do as the Father does. We will do as our big brother Jesus does. We will walk in the sovereign will of God over our lives. I declare that only the counsel of the Lord will stand concerning our lives, concerning our businesses, concerning our careers, and concerning our relationships. I declare that you, O oh Lord, will increase in our lives even as we decrease. We submit ourselves to you and your authority. And Lord, today I ask that you begin to, to walk with everyone on this call in a new dimension. I release a fresh flow and anointing of the Holy Spirit upon this house, a new measure and a new dimension upon everyone hearing my voice right now. I declare that all our thoughts, our ideas, our words and actions and everything that we do, we will only come from above, will come from God in heaven and we do not speak and act like we are of this earth and we act like we are of this world, but we act and speak like those who know their citizenship is of heaven. I declare that we are citizens of heaven who know whose we are and who we are. We do not conform to the things of this world, but we are renewed and transformed daily by the renewing of our minds through the word of God and the Holy Spirit. Father Lord, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you have given to us without measure. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We honor you and we thank you for who you are and what you do in our lives. Our executive partner, our, our guide, our ride or die, we love you so much. We receive you into our hearts today and I ask that from today, as many as will accept you into their lives as their helper, you begin to lead and guide them into the path of righteousness and alignment with God's, for, with God's will for their lives in the mighty name of Jesus. And finally, I want to say a special prayer to anyone who does not believe in your son, Jesus, and wants to accept him as the authority over their life at this, at this moment. And I say this prayer in unison with them, and you can repeat after me. Jesus, 
come into my heart. Make my heart your humble abode. Dwell in my heart even as I accept you as my Lord and Savior. I declare in this moment, not in my own authority, but in the authority in the name of Jesus, that the finished work of Christ on Calvary is made manifest in my life from today. I decree upon you, receive new life and resurrection power. Thank you, Father, for the gift of eternal life, which you will give to all who believe, including this precious soul receiving you today. So, Lord, we just say thank you. We say thank you and we love you. Finally, I just want to say thank you, God. Thank you, God the Father. Thank you, God the Son. Thank you, God the Holy Spirit for always answering us when we call on you. I commit everyone on here and anyone who will listen to this into your hands. And I ask that you protect them from the evils of these days and you position them to take over the places you've called them to. They will take over, they will overtake. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise. You are worthy of our praise, our Redeemer. You are worthy to be praised. I declare that these prayers are signed, sealed, and delivered unto victory. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen, 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 amen. Thank you so much. What an amazing time. What an amazing time. What an amazing time tonight. So good. Please, again, if these sessions are blessing you, invite people so we can grow together as a community. Just imagine, I always say, just imagine your business, your places of work, your community filled with extraordinary disciples like us. Wouldn't that be amazing? So invite a friend or two. Um, tell them to sign up through this link to receive the daily prayers and invitations to the Bible study. That's how I usually commu um, communicate with the entire community. Um, again, feel free to email me your prayer request through the through the daily prayers. Um, just respond to the emails. I'm always praying for you. Um, and thank you for coming. I love you all. See you. Have a blessed, blessed, blessed week.